What's up, food truck family? It's your man, Joshua Black, back with another episode of the Food Truck Journey podcast. Yo, this is episode number 12. This is a big deal. We're 12 episodes in, and um, I'm excited about this episode because this is my very first interview with an actual food trucker. Yes, so I'm super excited. So let's get this party started. Let's go. Like I said, this is episode number 12. This is a special episode because this is the actually the very first episode I've done interviewing in an actual food trucker. So this is like super excited because as you guys know my story, I'm not yet on the street. So I don't qualify as an actual food trucker. But I am talking today with William Drake. He is the owner, operator, founder, CEO, face of Detroit's original Coney Island. And now he sells hot dogs, burgers, chili fries. We have a great interview. He's been on the street for, I think this is coming up to his second year. All right. And he's about to do some major things. Now, the great thing about William's story is that he he has a background where he dabbled a little bit in brick and mortar before he even did the food truck. So it's a very interesting perspective. We're going to talk about some of the highs, the lows, what it was like getting started, how much money he made the first day, how he found. There's just so many gems that William drops in this episode. So without any further ado, let's get right to it. Now, let me say this. Now, I'm still struggling with the audio quality because I record my interviews via Zoom. I might have to change that because William's audio is great, but my audio, for whatever reason, now I I record it on the same mic that I'm recording this, but for whatever reason, it's distorted or it doesn't sound as good as it should. So I want to say that I'm still working out the kinks with that. Um, So forgive me for that audio that you're about to hear basically on my end, which in what I'm saying doesn't really matter because all the gems being dropped is by William himself and his audio is fine. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Here we go. How you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Good, 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 good. I'm I'm excited to have you on. Um, The way I came across you was in one of the Facebook groups and uh, I thought you had an interesting thread. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But more importantly, we're going to talk about your journey because that's what this show is all about is the food truck journey. And we want to talk about your journey on how you got to where you are. Let's start with that. Um, I know I, I tried to do a little background on what you did prior. I know you were in law enforcement. You were in the service, I believe. You're married, a married guy and you're in Detroit now, right? Oh, I, I currently live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, I was born and raised in Detroit. Okay. Okay. Michigan. Okay. Michigan. So let's start from there. Let's start from like, how did you find your way to the food truck business? First of all, what's the name of your, your, um, I know you have a trailer. So what's the name of your business and tell me a little bit on how you start to embark on this journey. Okay. Well, the name of my business is Detroit's original Coney Island. So I named it after my hometown just to pay homage to uh, the history 
and authentic authenticity of the you know Coney Islands that's you know synonymous back home in Detroit. So um, I initially um, started my trailer two years ago here in Grand Rapids, but prior to that, um, you know, like you said, I was I'm a former police officer. So uh, when I was a police officer in Fort Wayne back in 2011. Uh, the winter of 2011, I had, um, uh, you know, I came up with this idea uh, to start my trailer. And I actually, as a matter of fact, I started, uh, I had a kiosk style hot dog cart that I started in Fort Wayne. Um, and I just, you know, and what had happened, are you, are you still able to hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Sorry about that. So, uh, yeah, so I started uh, like an open air kiosk style hot dog cart. I had an idea to uh, go into business for myself because I just felt this entrepreneurial bug just itching at me. So I ended up, um, and I was really passionate about <clears throat> Coney Islands. I had went to a local Coney Island in Fort Wayne and I just wasn't um, impressed with the quality. So the lack of quality really fed my passion to get into the business um into research and so i actually uh you know contacted one of the owners uh of a, one of the uh, popular coney islands in detroit and talked to him and uh he just kind of you know i let him know who i was and you know what i was thinking about doing i was in direct competition for him and you know if he could just kind of give me some insight on the industry which he was able to do so I had to kind of take that information and do the initial legwork to, you know, research what I wanted, who my vendors were going to be, the type of products I was going to serve mm -hmm. um, at price point. And then I just did some market analysis by going out and speaking with, you know, just different people and asking them about questions. What, you know, why did they shop at different places? And, you know, if, if this was priced at this, if this uh, product was priced at this amount, would they buy it, yes or no? And so, you know, I just did a lot of, you know, engaging conversations like that. So once I put all that together, um, I, I opened up my my um, my cart. My former business was called Detroit's Finest Coney Island. And it was kind of in honor of my time when I was with the Detroit Police Department. So I ended up, you know, going into that. Um, so during that process, while I was out, you know, I did that part-time um when i was in fort wayne and so i was approached by a gentleman who uh owned an old uh biker bar so i um he said that i think this concept would go well in there so it evolved from an open air cart into a brick and mortar restaurant it was like a 40 seat 40 seat restaurant everything was already outfitted and um so i went in there i kind of and one of the business mistakes that I made initially is because I thought because it was brick, a brick and mortar establishment mm -hmm. that everybody would come in and want to eat. Mm. So I, I hired too many people. So I, you know, a lot of my revenue or profits went out to, for payroll and, um, you know, just the building overhead. So I, and that was my first venture of doing something like that. So I, I, I you know, learned from my bruises from that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't able to uh, sustain it long enough. So I ended up closing it, went into management at Pizza Hut of Fort Wayne and okay. learned really unique skills there. And um, I met my current wife and relocated to Michigan 
And, you know, make a long story short, I was working at a, another corporate, I was in the transportation business before I started my uh, current uh, position with my trailer. Right. So uh, what kind of fed into me opening my trailer here in Michigan was I, uh, you know, uh, I was up for a promotion and it didn't, it fell through. I got frustrated. And so I said, well, you know, I, I've done this, but I've, you know, operated my own business before. Why can't I do it again? Why do I have to rely on someone else for, you know, promotion or for opportunities, you know, and, and, you know, kind of put my destiny in someone else's hands when I could create my own thing. So that's what kind of prompted me, but I wanted to do it different. I didn't want to go into brick and mortar initially, okay. but I did want retool my business. I didn't want to go with the open air cart because there were certain restrictions that I was not able to do, i.e. I couldn't have uh, a deep fryer on my open air cart. So I knew I wanted a trailer. Right. Um, it was it was the least expensive route to get into it because I could expand my menu. I could uh, expand my, you know, my, um, you know, if I expanded my menu, I could expand the, you know, the uh, more, um, you know, income or capital that it could generate, sure. which would, you know, you know, boost the business. Uh, so I, I knew, you know, that I wanted a, a food trailer uh, because I want to serve fries and I want to do Polish sausages along with my conies. And um, the reason I decided to incorporate the Polish is because I wanted to attract people from both spectrums. Um, so, I, you know, we're kind of equal distance between Detroit and Chicago. Okay. So, you know, I wanted to attract, I, I used the publishers to attract my, my, you know, customers from Chicago. And I used the, you know, the Coney's to kind of attract my <clears throat> base, not only from Detroit, but the state of Michigan. <clears throat> so, um, so I, I knew that I, I knew the market, I knew <clears throat> the, the industry. So uh, another thing that I did during this planning phase was I um, did a lot of market research. So I went around to all of my you know, local competition. I identified who they were. Okay. I went around, tasted their product. I already knew what my product was going, you know, what my product tasted like. And, and so and I looked at their pricing. I looked at their setup and, you know, whether it was a brick and mortar place or if it was just, you know, a, a, a standalone hot dog cart. And so I wanted to kind of get, um, I wanted to kind of diversify my market research. So I, you know, and I wasn't trying to compete with, you know, the main, you know, you know, players in town as far as like the brick and mortars, but still, you know, I, I knew that my product to, could stand up against them, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I totally understand. That, that makes sense. I, I like the fact, and I want to touch on before you move on, that the whole market research thing, because even with my, um, I have a trailer also, I've done extensive mar market research. Now, you, talk, you talked about the, um, as far as your, I'm not, I don't want to call them competitors, but the other, other um, place establishments that were providing um, food, hot dogs, whatever food, they were providing food and you went around, you got the prices and whatnot. Did you ever take into account um, and then you tasted the food and so you knew you compete, you could compete or even be better than what the offerings were. Did you ever take into account the demographic as far as the people in whatever community you're looking to serve? I didn't, I'm not sure if you had were able to map out where you were going to actually park your trailer or if you're just going to be kind of like chasing the money. When I say chasing the money, like doing events or if you're going to kind of be in a community, 
did you ever take into account the community and what they could bear as far as what prices they were that they could afford? Because there's some some communities are a little bit more affluent than others. They can they can afford to spend a little bit more, and some you have to be very much aware of prices so you don't price yourself out of the market. How did you figure that out as far as your prices? Of course, it has to be a certain amount because you got to make a profit. But how did you determine where you need to be as far as your prices after you did your market research on your on the other establishments in the area? Okay, so based on my menu and the items that I serve or you know, or, you know sell um, to my you know to my customers, you know my price point is really at a level to where you know it can attract people from all over the spectrum, you know, and then you know some people. You know, I don't price it too high to where it's not affordable or not, but I don't price it too low to where people um, I won't respect the quality of the food that I serve. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I, as far as demographics, I mean, you know, I, I cater to, you know, I get my support from all over, you know, um, you know, even from, you know, the lower income areas as well as the affluent areas. You know, people really appreciate quality, and that's what I wanted to build. I, I marketed and I built my business on providing the best, you know, quality, and not only that, customer service, and just an experience with every visit. So, one of the things that I did, I wanted to be in a high traffic area. So I did like uh, uh, a traffic study on this one particular street um, in the center of Grand Rapids, to where. It was just like constant, you know, vehicle traffic. And there was some foot traffic, but it was just like, just the, it was near a, a, an intersection. And uh, like whenever the traffic was, you know, the traffic signals red for the east and westbound traffic lanes, you know, there was always, you know, vehicles backed up to where they could look to your, to the north, or, you know, or to, the, to their right, in this case, and see this beautiful trailer sitting off to the side and you know it would intrigue them. So initially, that was my method. I you know just kind of set up um, in a private lot, you know, the, with uh, an agreement that I had with the business owner, and I just kind of marketed my trailer. My my trailer was like my marketing tool that I used to attract okay. business. Um, and so I initially uh, started out that way, um, and I also tried to communicate um, through Facebook. And um, to be honest, you know, I'm more active on Facebook now than I was when I first started here in Grand Rapids two years ago. But, you know, even even having said that, I really had to, uh, my first two seasons in business, that's pretty much what I relied on with the exception of, you know, being set up out there at that one particular location. Um, besides being invited to like, we have an event here called Food Truck Fridays that the okay. local uh, uh, um, food trailer or food truck association uh, throws on. Uh, and it runs from like May to the beginning of September. It just ended, but um, I was invited to that. And then people saw me there and saw the trailer there and they were intrigued. And, um, you know, I was the new kid on the block. And so people wanted to try it and um, so I, it was just a, a lot of like word of mouth and whatnot, and it kind of took off slower than I had uh, anticipated. You said it took off slower than you anticipated? Yeah, yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Just because I was the new kid on the block, I was, you know, I had, I was in a new territory, new area. You know, people didn't know me. You know, other the people who have tried me before, or like my closest people, like my, you know, obviously my wife and my, sure. my closest friends knew the quality that I served, but the general public didn't know that yet. And so, right. it it was a process of you know trying to. Um, you know, at that time, I was just leveraging that area because of the high vehicle, you know, traffic count. Um, and I was just relying on cars coming off the street to pull in and, oh, what's this? You know, you know, so that's how, I, you know, initially started, you know, getting my business. And okay. from there, um, you know, because uh, me, me, me proceeded with this because it's kind of started off slower than what I had anticipated. I kind of panicked. And, you know, I wanted, I was looking for security. So I went to, you know, I went back to work full time because I had left my previous job in, with the transportation company to go into my trailer business full time. Oh, wow. Okay. I did. And, you know, I just kind of jumped all in. And, um, um, you know, my first day, I, you know, I did just over $750 in sales, which was good. But it then is. I had to, you know, take out fences and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, so after that, I know it started to level off. And so I started to panic and get discouraged. And so I wanted to go back to work. And so, you know, full time. So I went, you know, I worked for another transportation company. Um, and, um, you know, I, because I was kind of, and this is the thing about being an entrepreneur or having your own business, you have to be able to weather the storm because if you can't weather the storm, um, you know, it, 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 you're, you're, it's not going to survive. Your dream is not going to survive. So I continued to maintain my business. I, you know, I, it was, I opened up in August of 2018. I started off decent, then it leveled off. It was getting cold. So I went back to work. I, you know, I, I didn't go out the winter of uh, 2018, 2019. Um, and then when this the last year, 2019, when it opened back up again, um, you know, I did like little, you know, events here and there. But I was more focused on my my normal 40, you know, or 50 hour a week job and trying to move up the corporate ladder. And I kind of put my business on the back burner. Mm. And when, you know, and the Lord works in mysterious ways. So, you know, I it, the door had closed on my previous job. And so it kind of forced me into a position to where I had to, you know, look at my business that I started that was still viable and so I was almost to the point to where I want to sell it believe oh, it or wow. not oh yeah William, I, was- William, I want I want I want I want to slow you down because I think there's some important like um lessons that you can pass on to some other folks who are like where you were before when you know mm-hmm. just starting and it started slow leaving your job and I want to kind of like talk about these things now if you could rewind if we had this magic wand where we could just Rewind our lives. If you could rewind back to August 2018 when you first started the business and, and you had that $750 day. And, you know, most people would say, like, wow, that's great. But like you said, there's expenses. What would you do? What would you have done differently? So you wouldn't have went into panic mode. What would you have done differently um, knowing what you know now? So I would have uh, definitely leveraged social media more, you know, then than I, you know, do now. I just, just 
repetition and just being out there and being active right. and just kind of putting your yourself in your the you know because I'm the face of the business. So you know the more uh, engaging that I am to my to you know to my potential customers, the more opportunities I have to retain some of those people mm-hmm. that you know um, that will see me on the internet. And so I didn't, I wasn't as active then because I was so new. I was just, you know, relying on, again, the high traffic count of the, right. of the um, to be able to, um, you know, get the business instead of just really, you know, being an ambassador on social, you know, social media and using uh, Facebook and Instagram and whatnot to just promote my business. Right. And so I, I, go ahead. Yeah, what I wanted to ask you, I said, I'm, I'm so glad, because I, I think this is a really important thing um, that a lot of us, people who are in this business, who are contemplating this business, seem to um, not think of, you know, because there's so many things that we're thinking about just trying to get out there, but we don't think that we kind of need to warm up our audience, even before the, you know, our food truck or trailer or cart, whatever it is that you have even before you actually hit the street, you probably need to kind of like get the wheels in motion, get people to know that you're coming, kind of like warm up the the audience. So then when you do hit, you're not just relying on just one source of um, visibility as far as like for you, it was like, I'm gonna hit this corner where it's all this traffic. Um, I did my analysis, I did my research. There's there's tons of traffic in this this area. This is a good spot, which it, $750 $750 shows that, yeah, it was a good spot. But do you think if you had done work prior to even hitting the street, that that 750 could have probably doubled or at least been even more? Oh, absolutely. Mm, um, okay. You know, and, and you know, I, I built up, you know, the anticipation with, you know, some social media presence, i.e. Facebook. Okay. But I, I think that um, I... I should have been a little bit more diverse in my approach because I was just kind of, again, you know, learning, you know, and just learning from my initial mistakes, uh, not just relying on one particular location to provide, um, you know, opportunities to attract customers, you know, by being a trailer, the beauty of it is, is I can, you know, be mobile and go to various venues and whatnot. And I'm not just relegated to one spot, you know, which, you know, brick and mortar, you know, presents, you know, by just being a fixed location. So, you know, I could have been more diverse uh, in just selecting, you know, if this location wasn't really panning out, you know, being out there engaging more business owners to see if they needed more food trucks or if they were looking for food trucks for, you know, to provide meals or, or whatever for their, um, for their staff. Uh, I, should, I could have been more active in that aspect. Got you. Okay, let's let's move forward. Okay, so you got the truck. You um, had took took on a full time job. Like in your own words, you start to panic a little bit, and then I guess things kind of settled down. Now you're into a groove. I guess it's been what two years now, three years. Yes, August, uh, two years. August 11th was our two year anniversary. Okay, okay. Congratulations on that. Now you're in. I guess you're in somewhat of a groove. Thank you. Let's talk about some of the things, because I'm pretty sure people who are starting this business, even like your hours, did you, how did that work? Did you just, when you was full-time in in it before you took on the full-time job, were you like going from bell to bell from like 12-hour days? Like, 
let's talk about some of the nitty gritty stuff. You know, it's fun and glamorous making all making so, the money, but let's talk about some of that nitty gritty, the stuff that, you know, people really need to hear. Right. So I, I wanted to set up, you know, I, I tried to run it full time, you know, back then. And okay. so I um, would run, I would set up from like 11 until about seven at night. Okay. Um, that way, so I could cater to the lunch, as well as the uh, dinner crowds or just midday crowds. Um, I wanted to kind of, you know, you know, um, be available for whoever wanted, whoever needed something to eat. And of course, you know, I had my ramp up periods, which was the lunch brush, um, but then it, it died off. And then, you know, I would get some people who would come through between, you know, the, um, you know, the lunch and dinner hours, and then it would ramp up again towards uh, the dinner time. So the biggest things is you have to be able to, if it's somebody that's, you know, just getting to the business, you need to be where the demand, the greatest demand is. And that's usually uh, the lunch period from like 11 to 1, 11 to 2. Um, and then if you were to take a break and then, you know, open back up around maybe four or five until about seven, seven, seven ish, maybe eight at the latest, depending on the location. Um, and then you can, you know, really capitalize on, you know, and, and make the best use of your time uh, instead of just being, you know, dead for a couple of hours and, you know, or you may get one or two customers, you know, every 30 minutes or something like that. But um, it's really beneficial if you can really maximize on the peak demand times during uh, a business day. Okay. Another question for you that I think is pretty important for people who haven't even done that first day. It's like, how much food do you buy? How, how much do you invest in supplies? Is it, a, is it a strategy to want to sell out? Or are you trying to avoid selling out? Because selling out could be at your advantage. I mean, in, in a way, if people know like that food truck or that, that, um, that trailer, that thing sells out fast. So you want to make sure you get there. But then on the other hand, having too much food and then having food waste is going to affect your bottom line. So how did you find the balance? Or how long did it take for you to find a balance? Or were you so excited that you stocked up in the beginning and ended up with so much food waste. Can we talk to this for okay. a second? So, yeah, so this is what I know. Now, with my, with the food that I serve, you know, with it being, you know, Coney's hot dogs or Polish's, you know, it's quick service. So it doesn't take much to prepare them. Okay. Um, so um, what I did, like if I know, okay, for instance, like for my first day, I knew I was anticipating a decent amount of people. So I kind of prepped ahead. I would, you know, prep my Coney wieners or prep my polishes or whatever the case, or prepped uh, some hamburger patties. Uh, and then when the people came, I already had some stuff, you know, pr uh, pretty much done. I would just throw it back on the griddle, you know, get them to temp and, you know, send it right out the window. Okay. Now, let's, the way that I controlled or managed waste was uh, like on the slow days, if I knew it was going to be slower, I didn't, you know, pre- I didn't prepare a, a whole lot of food, um, you know, beforehand. I would pretty much do it to order. Um, and so, you know, doing it to order has its advantages and disadvantages. But, you know, doing it to order, at least the customer always, you know, received the, the best product, um, you know, as soon, you know, when they get there, you know, every time that they came. Because, it, you know, it really didn't sit 
too long and my stuff really doesn't sit too long but that's how I was able to control and manage the waste was, you know, during my slow days, I pretty much cooked the order okay. with the exception of like my chili. My chili was always hot and, you know, um, and then like my fries, I would only drop the fries when I, you know, had, you know, a customer come and request. Now, the only time I would, you know, be, you know, I would ramp up on my fries or conies or coney wieners or whatnot is if I knew I was at a venue where there was going to be like at a festival or something or, uh, at a food truck event where I know there's going to be thousands of people there. So obviously I need that stuff ready. But if it was at a location that I was unsure of, and you kind of have to be intuitive enough to, you know, to uh, look at your location and your surroundings and whatnot, and don't get too over, don't get too zealous or overzealous, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, so you won't, you know, prepare food and then it'll be wasted. So um, you just got to be able to, you'll know, you know, you know, the, the time that you spend out there and the people that come around and whatnot, you kind of know how much to throw on. If you see, you know, five or six or 10 people in line, you know, you got to throw on more than four hot dogs, in my case, Coney wieners, or, or, you know, you need to start, you know, you need to drop a basket of fries. So that will be ready. So you, through time and experience, you learn to develop that. Okay. Um, that skill set. Um, so my biggest advice I would say is, <clears throat> you know, when you're first starting out, just don't cook a ton of food yet. Just the very basic, you know, minimum amount or just cook to order, depending on how your setup is and depending on the type of food that you serve so you can get it out within, you know, a few minutes. So you won't, your customers won't be standing in line. All right. But okay. Staying with this idea when you're first getting started, let's talk about the menu. Uh, and I want to touch on some, on some things that I see over and over in a bunch of these Facebook groups, um, food truck Facebook groups. I want to talk about the structure of the menu, engineering that menu to, to be most effective. Now, and I think, uh, I think some food trucks, they want to like please everybody. So they want to have everything, you know, they'll have the hot dogs and cheesesteaks and french fries, this onion rings, and it goes on and on. I'm not sure how big your menu is, but I would love to to hear how you engineered your menu to be a, a most effective for you without falling into the trap of, I got to please everybody. So I'm going to make, my menu is going to have 20 items on it. So where are you at with the menu and how did you decide like this is going to be the menu? Okay, so I'm going I'm to use this term. And, and you can write it down and I, whoever listens to this podcast needs to write this down. If you're starting your business, cross-utilization is your friend. Yes. Don't get too cute. So the problem that I see is, too, is there's too many people that try to get too cute with their menu. You cannot please everyone. Yes. You can't. That's just the nature of the business. You know, you have to cater to your strongest you have to know who you have to be able to identify your market mm -hmm. and cater to that market. And you don't have to apologize for it. It's okay. Some people may not like cheesesteaks. If you, if you want to be a cheesesteak trailer, you have the best cheesesteaks out there. Some people may not like them and that's okay. Um, in my case, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do the Coney wings and I knew I wanted to incorporate my polishes and, and my fries. So I stuck on, and then I, I diversified, I, or I added an additional option for people who maybe didn't want a hot dog, which is I added a, a, a cheeseburger or a hamburger. Okay. So 
I kept it very simple. And you know the 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 old acronym acronym KISS mm-hmm. that applies. Keep it simple, you know. Um, and so I, I knew I wanted to be quick service. I wanted to serve the best ingredients. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, so I didn't want to, you know, um, compromise, uh, quality for quantity. So, um, and when I say that is like for my burgers, I'm not going to have 50 different toppings on it. You, you know, you're going to get, um, the toppings that I know I can keep fresh. Right. So I'm not going to offer lettuce. I'm not going to offer, you know, tomatoes because I'm not going to move through those products or though, you know, that type of produce quick enough, which will compromise its integrity and in in the quality. And so then I'll just be losing money because I'm buying this stuff and I'm not, I'm not recycling it quick enough by selling out of it. You know, I'm not moving through my inventory. I, I, I know my inventory is, it wouldn't be rotating fast enough to make it worth my time holding those items like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't want to confuse my identity by try, by trying to sell pizzas with conies or um, uh, fried chicken with conies. I, that's just not, you know, I, I'm not, I didn't want to do that. Uh, either I'm going to be a cone truck or I'm not. And so that's, the, you know, that's the thing. So, you know, with me, I just serve my conies, I, you know, obviously a hot dog. So, uh, you know, just the hot dogs just don't get the chili on it. I have that, I have my Polish, I have my fries, and and that's it. And so, um, you know, without kind of, you know, I mean, I there's other things I can say in relation to my menu, but um, but yeah, so I just kept it simple. I, I, I didn't incorporate things that I knew wouldn't move out as fast as my main staples, my wishes, the conies, Polishes, and the fries. And, yeah. and then, you know, the, the burger. You yeah, know, I, I, I like that. I like that, William. I like the fact, and I want to make sure we drive home because I think it's a very important point that you don't lose your identity. You know, like you just said, I want to be a, you know, you knew what you wanted to be and you were going to basically not veer from that. Stay within that so you wouldn't lose your identity. And I think that's that helps in a few ways. It kind of solidifies that this is what you do and you do it the best out of anybody else because you kind of specialize in this. And it also doesn't confuse potential customers of like, well, what he sells pizza and hot dog. What, like, what, what is it? What is it? You know? So I think that's a very important, right. Important lesson for people who maybe have a food truck and have all this and don't really have an identity. And even for those who are just considering me, I want to get into this, but I don't even know what to do with the menu. So keep it simple. Kiss. Yes, that makes, that makes so much sense. Now, moving on, because I want to like touch on some of these things that you see over and over and over in some, in some of these groups. And, um, and hopefully, uh, with you being in the business, and I'm kind of, I'm not even on the street yet, I can learn and others can learn from, from your experiences. Let's talk about, I know you and your wife, but let's talk about running the truck itself. Like, are you kind of like a one man show out there? Is your wife, I know she's involved, my wife is involved too, but is she the day to day on the truck, the physical part of it? Is it just you? Have you hired employees? Did you learn from prior that, you know what, I'm going to go this alone until I'm forced to bring on employees? Let's talk about staffing 
for your for your trailer how do you make it work okay yeah so like i kind of shared with you that anecdotal story of when i had my brick and mortar when i yes. hired two people on so obviously i learned from that mistake so i didn't want to reproduce that so um initially like when my first day i knew i was going to have you know you know several people out there so i want you know i had my my wife out there my son um he he helped um because it just for the demand to keep up with the demand but on most um any given day um sometimes it's just me in there okay uh, and i'm able just because you know not by me being an owner and you know knowing everything knowing how to do all the functions of it you know i'm i can pretty much i can pretty much handle a decent amount of uh, people but if it if i know i'm going to be in a place to where i you know i know my 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 time or my speed is going to be compromised just for the simple fact i may have a super long line i know i need to bring my wife and my son or just my, my wife and i can do it but if it's um you know i can handle like now i can easily handle a you know i don't know six to eight let's just say six to eight hundred dollar day or a $900 day by myself. I'm gonna be humping, but I can, <laughs> I can it. Um, but you know, um, so I, I try to control my expenses by not having, you know, too many people on the trailer. I haven't um, uh, hired, officially hired outside of my wife or my, my son. Um, I've had a friend help me uh, from time to time and I've paid him, but if uh, having a, an official, um, you know, employee. I have not done that as of yet. One reason being is because um, I haven't officially done it full time this season. Okay. Um, it's still considered part time. Um, so I, you know, I might only be out there, you know, maybe three, three days a week, maybe okay. four, um, because I, you know, I, I'm just not out there full time to where I will be in those particular venues on the or different venues on a consistent basis to where you know people know hey the trace original coney island is going to be out there you know let's you know so which would constitute bringing on an extra person so and, and that's my my game plan is to you know um go into it full time and uh starting next month i'm oh, you know i'm going to oh wow yeah i'm going to go back into it full time Okay, so that leads me to my next question. Um, now, and it seems like you've had a taste of a little bit of both, and this is why me, I'm curious. Now, you say you had, you had at one time set up, you had an agreement with a, um, in, in a lot where you could uh, set up and you, that you were kind of pretty much stationary, and you've also kind of like moved around to different events or, you know, different establishments that wanted to have you there. My question is this, right. what, are the, what are the pros and cons? Because I look at it as that if I can find a spot where I can set up and I can be there consistently uh, in this location three to four times a week, X amount of hours, then I can incorporate things like um, Uber Eats, uh, Grubhub, because I have like an established location where I can do deliveries, which will give me another source of income. But then I think, well, if I can do these festivals or go to different establishments, I can also probably, you know, not guarantee money, but at least I'll know that there's going to be like a crowd. 
pros and cons. What do you think? I don't know if you do delivery or not, but is that something that you considered um, consider doing? Or are you, I, I like to call it chasing the money, where you go from one location here, there, there, or kind of like mm. truck for hire. What do you think? What's your opinion? Since you've done a little okay. bit of both. Okay. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that subject up because, you know, I actually, and this is the thing, this is the beauty of having your own business. You know, you get to run the show, you get to yes. uh, set a thermostat on how uh, or the direction of how you want to, your business uh, model to uh, to go. And so, you know, I thought about, uh, you know, doing delivery service or whatnot, but guess what? If I'm going to do delivery service, I'm going to, it's going to be my own personal delivery service. Now you have, and the reason I say that is this, there's, you know, you have your right, your, your um, food partners out there like Uber and DoorDash and, 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 you know, a couple other places that's, you know, that, you know, has this, their system set up for you, but they also want their cut too. Which is a big cut. (laughs) Which is a huge cut. And, you know, I'm not going to have, and, and it's a great service. It's a phenomenal service, but you know, you know, this is, this is my show. This is my show. And I'm not going to have, you know, the Uber Eats of the world telling me, you know, well, I, I, we need 35, 40% of each order that goes out of, Oh no, uh-uh. you know, be just for, you know, just for the benefit of using their platform, which mm-hmm. is a huge platform, but also it comes with a risk too. You know, I'm not a multi-billion dollar company to where I can, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, um, afford to take on that risk. So I have to be very careful about, you know, the, you know, the services that I offer because, you know, I, I want to be able to, you know, to um, promote my, you know, my bottom line. I want to be profitable at the end of the day. And so, like I've I've really haven't marketed the delivery piece as much yet, but I have um, I I did like a test run on delivery service within a certain radius of where I was a few months ago. This is like back in May. Okay. And so I had my, you know, I stayed inside of the trailer. Um, uh, you know, we would have people call in and you know make orders, or they'll message me on uh, uh, Facebook or whatnot tell you know they'll tell us what their order is i get you know they pay at that time they pay through um like cash app or um uh, i can't remember the one cash I app. Used. Um, did, you use, a, did you use square and cash app and uh paypal has one well, they all have them oh paypal so that's another you know so back then just stop the delivery you know uh theory i had I use Cash App and PayPal so they could pay for their orders. I would send the orders with my son. He made the deliveries come back. If there was any other orders, I re, you know have them ready. You know, so we tried that, and it was pretty successful. Okay. Um, but you know, I wanted before I really you know um, marketed that heavily the delivery service. I just wanted to you know, um, you know just hone in or um, really. Um, just kind of get out there and just let people get used to coming to me to where we were set up at, you know, and just perfect that. Uh, and then you know, kind of branch out and slowly introduce. I don't want to put too much on my plate too soon. So gotcha. I just, it's like a test thing uh, a, a couple of days, a couple of times and it worked. Um, and so I was able to set, 
you know, my own, you know, parameters on the delivery service. And, you know, I didn't have to, you know, worry about, um, you know, um, you know, sharing, you know, information with, you know, or sharing profitability with, you know, Uber Eats and DoorDash and, you know, no, you know, so, I mean, like I said, that's a great technology, great benefit that they have, but it just didn't fit my, my, my business model at, at, at this given time, it just didn't make uh, financial sense for me to do that. So, um, yeah, and so right now, you know, getting to the colder part of the year, um, you know, my wife and I were kind of sitting down and analyzing um, how we're going to maximize, um, you know, our presence during the winter because, you know, it's not, we're not going to have, you know, 20 people standing in line if it's 30 degrees outside. So, you know, we're, you know, thinking about different, you know, uh, methods to, you know, still serve our customers, um, but, you know, allow it to still be viable, um, you know, given the, you know, the weather and whatnot. Right. Okay. Okay. That That's an interesting take. I, I know a lot of people are trying to uh, figure it all out because I think the average is about 30% and 30% out of your, uh, out of a sale is, is a lot. You know, yeah, that's, that's, a that's, that's a lot. And, and you know what? I think it's a and lot for know, any business, for any business, for, for a right. Fortune 500 business or us small guys, anybody taking 30% out of your pocket is, is pretty hefty. It is. It is. And, and, and in order to offset that, you have to raise your prices. And so, um, you know, I just didn't want to get into that, you know, um, deal. I just, yeah. And I've heard horror stories where, you know, businesses were suffering just because of that very fact of, you know, um, so much of their food costs is going out to these ride share service, you know, programs. Right. And so I, you know, or delivery service, you know, programs. So, yeah, I just didn't want to get into that um, arena because I've had a couple of them call me and try to uh, sell me on it. But, you know, I just, I wasn't uh, willing to take that risk. Okay. Okay. I, I, I hear you. And, and I, I, I applaud you for two things. One, turning it down and figuring out another route because there's all, always a, another route. And as, as you said, as entrepreneurs, we have the power and the ability to change courses or to make our own way. So bravo to you on that. Now, moving on, I have another topic that's so prevalent online and I want to talk about to, about to someone who's out there making it happen. Let's talk about uh, payment transactions. I would love to hear your story on how you came to whatever way you accept payments and credit cards and whatnot. And I know you mentioned the um, PayPal and the uh, Cash App. Are you still doing that? Do you use any other form? Are you cash only? I've seen some food trucks that are just uh, cash only. Like, how are you making that work? No, no. So, uh, yeah, so um, right now I use Clover. Okay. Uh, I use Clover POS system. So, um, you know, and I have, I, you know, I, I have the ability to take debit, credit, you know, Apple Pay, Google Pay, you know, you name it. So, um, it has the ability to process all type of card payments and I also accept cash. So, you know, um, I know some businesses only accept one or the other, 
But me, you know, I'm not turning down any opportunity. I'm I'm the small guy. <laughs> so I mean, I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that, William. <laughs> yeah, you know, the only thing I do not take is Monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, but let's I mean, let's talk I, about let's talk about the because you mentioned before that you were doing Cash App and a little bit of I think it's Venmo through PayPal. Are you still doing that? Do you still make that an option for folks? I mean, that's like my backup plan to okay. the, um, you know, the Cash App and uh, PayPal. The only reason I did then is because I had to get my Clover reprogrammed. Um, and so it wasn't set up yet. So in order to set payments, I had to, you know, I was only doing Cash App and PayPal then. So now that my, you know, um, um, my POS system had been reprogrammed, the, I, you know, I was good. To, you know, I'm good to go now. Got you. Got you. Okay, that's interesting because I, I, I've seen so many discussions on, <laughs> I've seen so many discussions about this this subject through in some of the Facebook groups, and uh, I said, well, you know what, I'm gonna ask William what is he doing and what's what his experience has been. But that leads me to my next question and the next topic that I think brought me to you that kind of spurred this here interview, the whole mm -hmm. topic of. Um, information, education, knowledge, um, where do we get it from as far as people venturing into this? Is there, there is, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, there is no food truck school. Um, is there a need for one? Because you posed the question of what if there was one and would people actually participate? Can you talk about where that thought came from? Why did you even make that post? And it was a very popular post and it got a lot of uh, reaction. And I wanted to touch on it now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll probably talk to you off the record, too, after, we, after this interview in reference to that. But it did spark a lot of uh, interesting conversation because my wife and I noticed a, a need. And, and normal in business, that's how you succeed. There's a need. Right. And you have to solve that need. You have to, you know. And so what I noticed was um, there, you know, somebody could be new to the group. Right. Uh, and they ask a simple question. How do I price my hot dogs? Or, I, you know, I just bought this truck. I don't know what to do. You know, how do I start in this business? And then people would admonish them just for asking, asking simple questions. Or how come you didn't do your research? You know, that's why they have Google. That's why they had the internet. Well, see, you, you can't, you got to look at it as an opera. I don't look at it that way. You have to look at it as a, a, a proper business mind to say, hey, I could, you know, you know, I could capitalize on this. You know, they're looking for help. You know, I can be that, you know, uh, you know, point of contact for them. You know, you need that. For some people, some people process information and retain information differently than others. Mm -hmm. So that inter that human interaction or just the benefit of human conversation and relationship, right. you know, right. just hearing the dexterity and the voice and just, just hearing a, another human talking to you or giving you information is invaluable. I mean, of course you can read it from a television screen, but it's nothing like having someone who's in the trenches, you know, actively doing it every day. You oh, know? absolutely. And absolutely. so, yeah, and so it just makes, to me, common sense to kind of reach out to people to try to get some type of information or um, uh, advice or um, 
encouragement or coaching. And so, so I saw the opportunity out there. I said, well, what if, you know, you know, there was something that people could attend, they could lay eyes on, you know, um, you know, the trailer, they could talk to you about the, the, just the most basic things about startup, you know, uh, how to incorporate your business, you know, what entity you, you know, want to, you know, label it, label it as, or, you know, how do you, you know, what do you, what are your steps uh, as far as, you know, talking with the health department and, you know, uh, registering your business with the city and, you know, getting your license through the city and what type of business insurance to get and, you know, and then like, you know, you know, how do I, I want to go into open up a food truck, but how do I set my menu up? So, and so having those different, you know, conversations and um, <clears throat> not only that, but structuring it, uh, in a way to hit all those points or the, you know, the majority of those points and giving them the, uh, the information that they need to be able to feel confident in themselves to go back to wherever they're, you know, to, you know, where, the, wherever they live and to kind of follow up and build their business from that, you know, I, I think is, is a great opportunity to start something special. Um, and I, I, you know, just because of my experience, you know, um, in the business, I, I just think that that could, that would really be uh, a beneficial or, you know, a serving need. Um, well, of course you can watch YouTube all day, but you know, right. No, you're, you're right. You're right. And, 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 you know, William, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of brought this up, be, brought this subject up because I think part of the, the reason why I even started this, this podcast is because I really didn't, I don't have anyone else to talk to about my, Of course my wife is, you know, she's here. Right. She's always going to listen. But I'm talking about someone else in the trenches. Someone kind of understands the struggle that kind of feels the pain that can like feel the right. a, a question. I don't have anyone to talk to, you know, per se, right. you know, even with the look, the smallest things of like, okay, I need this three bay sink. I need this three bay, yeah, three bay sink. But can I just make them up from the little food pans or do I need, what do I need? You know, you're out here like by yourself. So even the simplest question, it might sound simple, but sometimes like you just said, sometimes people just want to want someone else to talk, talk back to them, like have a conversation. You, we can all just jump online and Google anything, but sometimes the back and forth human contact right. conversation is helpful just for your just for your 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 mental stability in pressing through and starting this business so i i applaud you for even putting it out there and i think a lot of reason you got such a great response from from this post is because a lot of people sometimes just want to have conversation it's something that everybody wants to talk. it's apparent because the group is relatively popular everybody wants to talk this but not necessarily have someone to talk to about it. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good idea. I, I think personally, you know, from my post response, I, I think some tweaks, but I think it could it could definitely work. It's definitely a need. Let me put it out there. It's definitely a need, right? Because people want to find someone or some kind of resource that's reliable that they can just ask anything, right. any kind of question, get get those questions answered. So that's good, good stuff. Crazy good stuff. And, you know, a lot of people, I, I just think, too, that uh, a lot of people may feel, you know, some people, you know, may feel threatened by 
people posing certain questions. Well, I'm not yes. going to answer that. I don't want to share my trade secrets. I don't want to, you know, well, think about how you started. You know, exactly. you have to find out information, whether it was talking to somebody or reading it off of the internet. Right. And so, how, you know, and so you just forgot where you came from. You know, it's almost like, how dare you? How, oh, how dare oh, you're you? right. You're right. You know, we, we all started from some, everybody started from zero. <laughs> right. I don't care how much money, if you had a, a pile of money to get started, but we all start from the same place, zero. And, and then you go right. from there, you know? So you're, you're right. I think a lot of people do forget where they came from and uh, maybe reach a certain level of success or what they believe is success and believe now they're just anybody asking, asking questions that they think deem are dumb questions, which there is no dumb question, kind of think they can jump on and just berate people. I, but then again, that's kind of like the nature of the, the, the internet. It's kind of like a wild, wild west. And who knows what you're going to get when you're in some of these groups. So yeah, but um, great conversation started that you, you uh, posted the other day. Yeah, no problem. So, okay, so here's my, my, last, my last question. I wanted to find out now you've said that you're going to going to back into it full time. I applaud you for that because I know that's a huge step, especially when you have a family. But what what happens from this point on? This truck's super successful. Maybe you're making a hundred thousand, whatever, um, six figures every year. Then what? Do you go back to the brick and mortar? Do you start another truck? For whatever reason, a lot of people with um, trucks and trailers, they have aspirations to do a brick and mortar. Well, you've done that. And you know the climate now, brick and mortar may not be the ideal next step. But I want to know with you, long-term vision stuff, what's the next big step for your trailer, for your business? So, the, yeah, so the next step for, you know, Detroit's original Coney Island is, I would love to, you know, I my plan on getting a bigger trailer, okay, um, to uh, <clears throat> cater to um, the needs of my 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 business. So, uh, my current trailer is only six by six foot uh, wide by twelve foot long. Okay, if I need something a little bit bigger and wider, be able to move around more freely and just a different layout and and to improve flow um, and to <clears throat> incorporate just uh um just um greater um you know just service uh, serviceability to to my customer base so i plan on having a, a at least an at least another trailer or, or a couple different trailers and at that point you know i would have to expand and you know bring on you know um, people that align with my mission and values you know uh, that i established for the company and <clears throat> And that's the thing. If I'm going to grow my business, I want to grow it with the right people. I'm not going to just, you know, you know, just pick anybody that's looking for a job because they're a reflection. Whoever works for, you know, the business is a reflection of the company as well as me. And so, um, you know, I know people aren't perfect and I'm not looking for perfection, but I'm looking for hard work and, and, and I would be looking for hard work and, and um, uh, dedication and professionalism you know that's just something i'm not willing to compromise on just because of my background and um and so 
would it, you know, would there be another opportunity for brick and mortar? I don't know. I've had, I've talked to a business leader or well, one of uh, a local business leader who really is intrigued by my trailer and, and the concept of it. And he, you know, was saying, I think you would be great in a brick and mortar and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I know that I like the flexibility that being mobile offers me. I okay. can have a little bit more control um, over um, the flexibility aspect of that. I feel I can serve um, more people, you know, differently, you know, being mobile versus being brick and mortar. Um, now, if I did have brick and mortar, I would want to have like a dual, per I would want it big enough to where I can run dual purpose. So I wouldn't want to necessarily negate or, um, or step away from the mobile aspect. I will still, you know, if I ever, you know, had a brick and mortar again, I still want to, uh, you know, have both operations <clears throat> to be able to, you know, you know, still do like events and private parties and birthdays and you know stuff like that you know gotcha. grab parties so I, I that's that's a huge business um that i would love to continue to uh be involved in you know if i had to you know if i you know had the opportunity to be brick and mortar again so we'll see but for the, the short future um is to gain another or larger trailer Awesome. Awesome. I, I think you have an interesting perspective, especially since you had a little taste of the brick and mortar, you know what it was staffing and, and it sounded like it's not as, it's not what it's all cracked up to be maybe because I think everyone who's in a mobile food trailer or truck or cart there, it seems like from what I say, a lot of people aspire to this brick and mortar thing, but maybe even based on the knowledge that you just dropped that we should, you know, think about that whole brick and mortar thing. Cause it comes with a whole different set of challenges and frustrations from, from based on, on our conversation. So I, I appreciate the perspective. And I think it's a unique one that people who are either already out here slinging food and to those who are thinking about it to um, take into consideration. So I thank you, for, for your insight. So what I want to do now is just drop whatever contacts, social media, Facebook, whatever contacts, website, as far as for people to reach out and even um, converse with you. I know they can reach you in some of the Facebook groups, but how can people reach you and what you're doing? So you can uh, look up, uh, we can be located on Facebook under Detroit's original Coney Island. Um, you can uh, message the uh, business and it goes directly to me. It gets routed directly to me. Um, I also have an Instagram account um, with, you know, various pictures. Um, I also have a, a website that I need to actually update here uh, soon, but I have an, uh, an active website. It's .com. And uh, so, yeah, I just have uh, various methods for people to get in touch with me. And then our business uh, number um, is 616-536-1757. Uh, uh, That's 616-536-1757. And that gets routed directly to me if uh, someone needs to get in touch with me. But the, uh, probably one of the easiest ways is to get on our Facebook business page, 
like us, follow us. Um, you know, I'm always posting. So. Yes. Yes. And he's a, he's a good poster. It's always something that's insightful and um, that you can learn from. So I definitely suggest you guys follow this guy, follow what he's doing and just be inspired because he's just like in this last 45 minutes, he dropped some gems and I'm pretty sure moving forward, if you continue to follow him, you he'll even drop more knowledge. So my friend William, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate you, your wife, and all that you're doing for this business. Thank you, sir. The Food Truck Journey Podcast is a production of Urban Black Vegan, produced by Hello Freddy and the Broccoli Boy Wonder, recorded live somewhere in Philly from a food truck called Flat Belly Veg.